Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 112. It's now been one year, 13 weeks, and one day since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I'm back up the mountain trying to get my zen back, ready to get my thoughts in order and basically have some haven of peace. After we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward and I discover what to let go of today, though to be honest, I already have a pretty good idea of what that needs to be. We'll welcome our newest BC, Jill from the UK, who posted on the Bravery Report and will feature comments to her from moi, Donnie, and Sue from the UK. Then Donnie jumps right into our new Tricks and Tips feature with a great tip for those of us who enjoy their mocha java. And Carol from Detroit writes to us her new tip on how to eat a kiwi. I'll read Mark's touching comment for Dave, who so bravely shared his truth via the Bravery Hotline last show. And Dave, this is big. Mark rarely feels moved to comment, though he does enjoy reading your comments. But the fact that a guy let his voice be heard really spoke to him. And in honor of Dave and Mark's love of bike riding, I'll read some of the great bike jokes sent in by Dave for today's Foolish Fun. Then we'll wrap up the show with a little tale I'll call My Ironic Descent from Zen and How I Got It Back, which include me reading one of my blog posts. And believe me, you'll understand why by the time it's done. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a this was a good day to listen to you letting things go. I'm really needing to let a lot of things go in the last week or two. I've really had some stress in my life and I just need some letting go time. So brave companions, I'd like you to note that I'm up here on the mountain because that is a wonderful place for me to go when I have stress and I need to let something go. So I'm proud of myself for coming to the mountain to record, even though it's kind of a cloudy day, a little bit overcast, a little bit chilly. But frankly, since it's usually so hot as blazes, this overcast day is kind of suiting my mood and making me feel good and not so dang hot. So again, as you see, I'm putting off what I'm letting go, which always, always means what? Lori, you don't want to admit to it. It's something you're not proud of. It's something that you don't want to talk about letting go, which means, Lori, dear, you need to let it go right now. Okay, so I'm going to go take a deep breath, and then I'm going to let it go. I need to let go of waiting, W-A-I-T-I-N-G, waiting, and letting waiting impact how I live my life. Well, that's an interesting way to put things, Lori. What do you mean by waiting? Well, for example, waiting is not fun. I don't think waiting is ever fun. At least it isn't for me. If it is for you, I'd be happy to hear about it. But for me, it isn't. Because waiting for me means waiting for something to happen. So you, meaning me, can move ahead. 
if I'm stuck in traffic, it irritates me no end because I want to go and all of these cars are in my way. So I'm waiting for them to move so that I can move. Doctor's office, I sit there drumming my fingers in the waiting room saying, I made my appointment for this time. How come I'm still here 25 minutes later? How come I see all these people in the doctor's waiting room and I don't see them moving? How many people have to go until I get into the doctor? I hate that. I hate the waiting room. I do. You know, and no amount of playing games on the iPhone or bringing a book gets me over that feeling of being put upon because I'm waiting to go into the room. And then to make matters worse, in a lot of times I go into the doctor's room, you have to put on those funny little paper gowns, you know, open to the back and wait there. So now you're not only waiting, but you're waiting without your phone or your clothes in this funny little room waiting for the doctor to open the door. <laughs> so that waiting really makes me anxious and nervous. But it all comes down to the same thing. Waiting for something outside of yourself to happen so that you can move on with your life. You know, have you ever like applied for a job or interviewed for a job and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting for that job offer? And anymore, some of the time, they don't even tell you that you didn't get the job. They just basically assume if you haven't heard that you didn't. That's the way things are these days. You don't even get the nice rejection letter half the time. Or you're waiting for a tweet or to be friended by somebody that you just met who said that they're going to contact you and you know get together for coffee or a date or whatever that might be. So there you are waiting, waiting, waiting for this person to get back to you. And in the case of my show, I'm waiting for your comments and feedback on my podcast, right? That's one of the things that I wait for. I wait for you to make some comments so that I can respond to them and write them down, get ready to write the next show. So what happens when the comments dry up is that I kind of go into waiting mode, right? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Any more comments today? No, not really. Anything new today? No, not really. Now, for the letting go segment, I almost never write something down. This is the one part of the show that's almost always off the top of my head. But I wanted to read you this example, okay? Just yesterday, I got my monthly podcast review report. You know, this is the service that sends me all the reviews from around the world. And it says, hi, Lori. Thank you for trying my podcast reviews. Here's your digest for the last month's reviews for compulsive overeating diary slash living with binge eating disorder and learning intuitive eating. No latest reviews. That's right, no latest reviews. And that means that in all of the iTunes stores in all of the world, not one review occurred in the last month. Okay, fair enough. I'm not doing this podcast to harangue you to go do reviews, but you can see as I go on, this wasn't a great day to be getting this news because there have also been zero clicks in the Amazon links this month. The website traffic, except for Donnie, hi Donnie and Dave, has died to a slow trickle. And Mark, bless him, his was the only comment at all on the last show on day 111. And that kind of puzzled me because I'm like, wow, that was a pretty good show, you know. You had Nola's Foolish Fun was fun. You had Dave showing bravery all over the place. And I thought, wow, this is really unusual. It's been a long time since I've put out a show that got zero response, really a long time. And I thought, oh, my God, am I going to go right into being pathetic? Oh, no, I hope not. And this has been going on this downhill slide for over two weeks now.
And let me tell you that this could be a challenge to my confidence. But on the other hand, I realized, huh, how do you feel? Are you pathetic? And I discovered I'm not destroyed. I don't feel, quote, less than myself this time. Hmm, that's kind of weird, because usually I get all whiny and pathetic and beg you to comment at this point. <laughs> but, but I didn't, and why not? And I'll explore some more about this exact topic at the end of the show when I get to my Zen story. But for now, let's focus on one thing. The lesson from this current lack of feedback revealed to me that much of my pain from my past when faced in a situation like this, or waiting for the job, or waiting for the person to contact me, or waiting to get thin, was in fact the waiting. The waiting made me feel out of control. And me, being like many of you, a complete compulsive brainiac, I like to be in control. I like to know when things are gonna happen. I like to know what to expect. And I don't like that feeling of not being able to maneuver, to manage, to control things, to make things happen in the way that I would like. I hate it when I don't have that control. But guess what, Lori? You are not queen of the universe, and you really don't have control over anyone or anything. You don't have control about traffic. You don't have control about what's going on at the doctor's office. You don't have control about how much weight you lose, even if you go on a diet. You've proven that over and over again. You don't have control about anything except how you react. What? What do you mean I can control how I react? I hate this stupid waiting. I hate it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, well, that's a choice you're making. Oh, just you stop that. Stop that, you rational mind. I'm in the mood to have a hissy fit. I don't like this waiting around for something to happen so that I can write about it or experience it or do it. I don't like this. I want to be the one in control. I should be reaching out all the time. Well, guess what? It's not always up to you now, is it? No, I guess it isn't. And I hate it when it isn't up to me. So what is up to you, Lori? What can you do while you're waiting? Well, geez, you know, you probably heard this tip a million times. Like those of you, some of you listen to Compulsive Overeating Diary or other podcasts in the car. You know, my car isn't set up so that I can stream podcasts through the car, but I can listen to nice CDs that I have. I could even burn podcasts onto CDs and then carry those in the car in case I'm stuck in traffic. You know, I used to study my German verbs by listening to tapes in the car. I could just stop and breathe and practice my diaphragm breathing in the car. I could do that at a doctor's office too, unless I'm trying to cover up my nose and mouth because I'm scared of all the people coughing their germs around, but that germophobic part of me is another topic for another day. But there are plenty of things that you can do even if all you're doing is letting everything go and deciding to meditate on your situation and going into the moment like we did a few shows ago where you're just telling yourself in your head like, here I'm sitting in the doctor's office. I'm wearing these pants. They're feeling a little bit tight. Oh, I hope I remember to turn my back on the scale. No, no, don't think that. There's a lot of people in this office. 
I don't need to let this dress get to me. I can imagine a beautiful day. I can imagine the last time I was on the mountain and how it sounded with the birds and how the path was and how that felt to move my muscles. I can imagine the last time Tiger jumped on my lap and how fuzzy and warm his cat fur felt. How cute his little paws touching my face just like a person would stroke my face looking at me with those cat love eyes. I mean, this is much, much better for my blood pressure and my state of mind to be thinking things like this instead of letting my tiddly-doo get all out of whack. I realize I am a very impatient person, and impatience is really all about why waiting can ring your bell, you know, push that button and get you into a place you don't want to be, you know? Waiting just means there's a space Waiting means there's an opportunity to take advantage of some of this space to do some other things. Waiting is actually a chance to be quiet and to listen to yourself and to try to figure out your own needs. What a weird concept. I'm used to automatically going into the rage volcano or the pathetic or the sad or feeling like a failure or feeling like me, the queen of the universe, did something wrong that forced you, the peons of the universe, to not behave in ways that I, the queen of the universe, would like. But I'm not queen of the universe. You're queen of your own universe or king as the case may be. You are stars of your own life. You're not bit players in my life. You are stars in your own universe. And sometimes we play together in the same constellation. Sometimes we are along the same journey. Sometimes our needs collide. Sometimes our needs are in parallel and they help one another. But you know, it's not my business, whatever's going on with you, unless you need my help or my advice, or you, know, you wanna reach out and it feels good to you. It's not up to me. Just like you can't make me put out shows more often or less often. You can't make me change how I do what I do because I do it the way that works for me. Now that's not to say I don't listen to feedback or I don't pay attention to the things that you like or what you email me or what you tell me about the shows. No, that, that's not true. I consider it all, and sometimes I've made some changes here and there because I think about it and go, hmm, you know what, I agree with that. I think this would be better and stronger if I did this. But for the most part, the show, the blog, my schedule, what I let go of, what I think of, which comments I pick to comment on, which things that I play, which things that I do, indeed, every moment of my day for the most part, with the exception of jury duty, which was a huge meditation and waiting, <laughs> most days I have a choice every single moment of what I'm going to do. And it might be there are some pending things out there that when these events happen, might change the course of what I choose to do in that new moment, right? Like, if I go home today and I look at the blog and all of a sudden there's 20 comments there, 
that might cause me to spend some time answering comments rather than editing this show. If I go home and there's still no more new comments, then I might say, well, I might as well have lunch and get right to editing this show. Or I might say, you know what? I've thought enough about this show and blog for the last couple of days. I think I'm going to go have a nice lunch down in Montrose. Maybe I want some sangria. Maybe that would be more fun. Or maybe I'll say, you know what? I've got Dancing with the Stars saved on my television. I think maybe I'd like to watch Dancing with the Stars. You never know. Maybe Mark will come downstairs and say, hi, hon, I'm in the mood for this. And it might sound good to me. Or maybe Mark will want to go do gardening all by himself and I'll find some other way to fill my time. You know, it's just really a good meditation to think about our lives as being a series of moments. And for the most part, we are the star of our own show. We are the captains of our ship and each moment is up to us to decide what to do and how to react and if the external things aren't happening in the way that we would expect and in the way that we would like and we get this feeling of I'm just hanging around waiting so that I can move forward I posit that you like me might try to just spend the next moment thinking about what can I do can I treasure a memory? Can I work on my own goals? Can I touch base with somebody else? Can I just sit still maybe and focus on my breathing and appreciate the joy of being alive? I say, brave companions, we don't need to wait around anymore. We need to live every single moment that we have here on this earth and really relish those moments that we, as stars, get to spend together. And I'm not going to wait even one more second to welcome our newest BC. Jill from the UK posted her story on the Bravery Report. She writes, Hi, Lori BCs. I'm Jill from the UK, right in the middle. I am 46 and have a lifetime history of dieting slash starving slash running slash binging slash calorie counting. Like most of you, I have done it all. Five years ago, I lost 70 pounds and for the first time in my life, I was really slim. However, I did this through crazy calorie counting and running up to 30 miles a week. I regained about 25 pounds and have been fighting the backward slide ever since. I have reached a stage of self-acceptance at my age. I do not really care about being skinny so much, and I am very much focused on health. I think my weight, 175 at 5 foot 8, is relatively healthy, but I do not want to gain any more. I exercise regularly, but now I don't think about the calories. I try and do it for health and well-being. I completely subscribe to intuitive eating, but really struggle with it. I've swum back and forth from that to calorie counting several times. Recently, I decided that was it, and I'm going to do it. At that point, I found this podcast by searching for intuitive eating. Initially, I was a little disappointed to find all the references to calorie counting and goal weights, but as I binge listened to episodes 1 through 50, I realized Lori has come to the same place I'm at, so I am very much enjoying the podcast. I thought I would wait to introduce myself until I'd caught up, but that could be a while. And after having my first really 
bad day yesterday, which saw me spooning Nadella out of a jar, I feel the need to reach out. The worst thing was, I knew I was going to do it. I so could have stopped myself, but I didn't. I keep promising next time will be different, but have not yet been able to stop once I start. P.S. If you talk about this on the podcast, I should hear it in a couple of weeks. I must listen in order. No, I'm not at all compulsive. And I replied, Hi, Jill. Wow. I'm so glad you dove in and shared your story with us. Also, it is awesome to have another BC from the UK. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm also delighted that the show, quote, improved, unquote, from your point of view, as I moved away from my usual diet slash binge pattern and embraced intuitive eating. It's interesting to me that my show in its entirety captured that process. I didn't know it at the time that I started, but I basically made an audio documentary about my coming out from under my lifelong eating disorder. Wow. And congrats on your success with finding your own acceptance. I know it isn't a smooth road, but I do believe it pays many dividends. And I want you to know that most new BCs do listen to all of the shows in order. And most don't want to say hello publicly at all until they are caught up. But I'm very happy that you didn't wait, Jill. Feel free to comment on any show that you're on, as all discussion from those old shows are still pertinent and valuable today. Again, welcome, 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 and I look forward to learning more of your story. XOXOXO. And Donnie, bless her, also welcomed Jill right away. Donnie writes, Hi, Jill. So glad to have you in here. You got it right in. I giggled with you in regard to must listening in order. I'm the same way, and I binge listened. Sue from the UK also posted her greeting to Jill. Hi, Jill. Welcome from a fellow Brit. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. I love your sense of humor already. And BCs, if you would like to welcome Jill too, stop by the Bravery Report and say hi. And while you're there, why not think of some small brave thing you've done lately and post so that we can celebrate you all together. I'm also extremely grateful that Donnie didn't wait one second. I'm very excited that Donnie called in with this wonderful coffee tip for our newest feature, Tips and Tricks. It's time for Tricks and Tips, where brave companions share those little ideas that make their lives better. Hi, brave companions. I want to call and share my tip or trick. I like coffee a lot. I like chocolate a lot. I like chocolate coffee a lot. I like to drink mochas, but I don't like to drink my calories. So I buy unsweetened cocoa powder like you bake with. My favorite is the special dark, but I can't always get that. So sometimes I just use the regular. But I put about a half a tablespoon in a huge mug of coffee. Put it in there when the coffee is really hot and stir it up so it dissolves a splash of almond milk. I use unsweetened vanilla almond milk, and now I have a chocolate mocha that's virtually calorie-free, and I love it, and I'm an addict, and my name is Donnie, and I'm addicted to coffee, chocolate, mocha, something. Enjoy! I love this tip, Donnie. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And since I use unsweetened vanilla almond milk in my morning java anyway, it was easy peasy to add some of that cocoa, and I really liked it. Also, Carol from Detroit wrote in her tip via email. Carol writes, So everyone may already know this tip, but I eat kiwi with a spoon. I actually just cut the top off a little and scoop from there. 
That's a great tip, Carol. Thanks. I have some tiny spoons that are perfect for kiwi scooping, and I'm inspired to go get some kiwi to scoop. I'm going to give it a go. Carol also provided a link to demonstrate this wonderful kiwi eating technique, and I'll post that link on today's show notes. If you have a trick or tip about food, fun, or life in general, call the Bravery Hotline. You speak pipe? Or send your audio to Lori at CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. In our last show, besides starting our new tips and tricks feature, our new BC Dave went on the bravery report twice, once for writing his story for Who Are the Brave Companions, and once for being brave enough to call the bravery hotline and share his story with us in his own voice. I alluded to this earlier, but this resonated with Mark so much that Mark himself wanted to post this message to BC Dave on show 111's show notes. That show was called Embracing the Slog. Mark writes, Dave, nice to hear a guy's voice on the show for a change. I too have struggled with a weight problem for many years and little steps go a long way. I started walking one block and in a few weeks I could do four blocks and in a few months I could do two miles. And then I went to buy a bicycle and the guy told me I was too big to ride a bicycle. So I went to another shop and they sold me a bicycle that was heavy duty for my size. Now I still struggle with my weight, but the exercise allows me to do a lot of things and feel better. So little steps create big improvements. I have been riding bikes for about 10 years now and find it helps me deal with stress. Never give up, seize the day. And it seems like you cut other people plenty of slack. If you do the same for yourself, things will turn out okay. You know, honey, thanks so much. I remember very well how we felt when the bike store owner looked us over from head to toe and told the both of us that we were too fat to ride all those years ago. F him. A life well lived is the best revenge. And you and I have put many thousands of miles on our various bikes since then. And look at all the money that idiot store owner lost because of his prejudice. And look at all we've gained by not letting our size ever stop us. And Dave, I want to add my bravo to Mark's. Thanks again for stepping up with your bravery. And BCs, it's not too late to add your bravos for Dave too. Stop by day 111 like Mark or read Dave's story on Who Are the Brave Companions. For today's Foolish Fun, I'm going to break precedent and read some fun jokes Dave posted on one of my blog posts about Mark and me getting back on our bikes after some time away from it. He didn't mean this for Foolish Fun, but I really like these jokes. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Lori presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. Hey, hey Foolish Funners, BC Dave sends us these bikealicious foolishness. Question, what do you get if you cross a bike and a flower? Answer, bicycle pedals. Question, why can't a bicycle stand up on its own? Answer, because it's too tired. Question, 
What do you call a bicycle built by a chemist? Answer, a bicarbonate of soda. Question, why couldn't Cinderella win the bicycle race? Answer, she has a pumpkin for a coach. Question, do you know what is the hardest part of learning to ride a bike? Answer, the pavement. <laughs> I relate to that one. <laughs> Question, what do you call an artist who sculpts with bicycle parts? Answer, Psychelangelo. Question, what does a bicycle call its dad? Answer, popsicle. Question, why did the little boy take his bicycle to bed with him? Answer, because he didn't want to walk in his sleep. Question, why can't an elephant ride a bicycle? Answer, because he doesn't have a thumb to ring the bell. Question, when is a bicycle not a bicycle? Answer, when it turns into a driveway. Yay, well done. the chuckle. BCs, do you have some great jokes? Even if they aren't great, be brave, call the bravery hotline, and join us in some foolish fun. Now, Dave, I know that you sent me these because you put them on the bicycle blog post, but you know what? If you have some more jokes like this, I'd love it if you would put your voice on air again. Call the bravery hotline and tell me your jokes, and I'll put you on foolish fun yourself. Okay, no more waiting. As promised, we're going to wrap up the show today with the tortured tale of my ironic descent from Zen and how I got it back. Yesterday, I was pondering my feelings and lessons about feeling alone with the crickets lately, and I realized I have grown quite a bit beyond the I feel pathetic department since I strolled around the park so moanfully in day four. I wrote a wonderfully zen blog post to sort it all out, and I was really, really excited to release it for all of you. It's called Make Yourself Happy, Acting Without the Drama. But then, my wonderfully zen blog post showed up on the website just fine, but it would not send out its email notice or go on Twitter or do any of that. Oh boy. Well, I have been down this road before, so I knew the steps to do, and I did a few things to take control right back. Step one, reset your system. Copy this exact post into a brand new duplicate post. Resend. Still not a... Uh. Step two, reset all in your power. Make sure all of the system technology is on the very latest version. Re-index. Insert, insert more incomprehensible Star Trek-like techno Bible here. On and on and on. Now copy your errant blog post once again as a brand new post and try again. Nix. Nothing. Nada. Crap. Step three. Create a brief status report with a link to the errant blog post and publish the status report as a test, even though you don't usually send notifications with status reports. Hey, it behaved beautifully. Hallelujah. Okay, all is solved. Step four. 
copy dang errant Zen blog post a third frickin' time and publish it. After all, the status report was fine. Not a gosh darn peep. No notice, no Twitter, no nothing. Ah! Step five, write to tech support. Ask for help. Outline all that has been done. Get email back. Please reset your system and send a test. Oh my effing goodness. Oh, oh, oh. Step six. Do all of the resetting, re-indexing, and incomprehensible Star Trek-like technobabble one more time. Step seven. Create a brief, meaningless blog post called my pear shape is not the most frustrating thing today. Briefly write in this annoying test blog post why you are sending so many small posts to people's inboxes, so many except for the one dang post you wanted to send, and post test. Voila, that one worked. Problem must be solved. Step eight, recreate another duplicate of the original blog post as exactly brand new post and post it using exactly the same steps as the meaningless post you just friggin sent. Nothing, nada, nix. Crap, 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 crap. My well of zen is about to run completely dry. Step nine, send another email to tech support. Beg for help. This is going to take more than regular reset tricks. This is going to take code, line by line, troubleshooting. Dang it, dang it, dang it. Dang technology. Step 10, get back your sense of humor. What better thing to test your sense of zen than a problem? So I can't send a notification to the subscribers about this post. So the BCs are too busy to comment or write or just want to listen. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. My very last resort. Step 11, hike up the dang mountain to the zen place to get back my zen and read on my show the blog post I so wanted to share. So, without further waiting or ado, brave companions, here it is. Make, make yourself happy acting without the drama. This wondrous, troublesome blog post begins with a selfie of Mark and me at the Pantages Theater waiting for the musical Motown to begin. Its caption says, small seats, big hearts. Then comes the first sub-headline, make yourself happy, dang it. Okay, raise your hand if you have ever been tired of the concept. You need to make yourself happy. Here's me, out loud with a fake smile. Of course we should make ourselves happy, under breath. When is someone finally going to care about making me happy the way I go out of my way to make everyone else happy? Now, I realize this isn't the most attractive sentiment I've ever shared in my quest for truth, justice, and a way without chips. But nice or not, it was right there, underneath a multitude of my own eating episodes, as well as under my public masks. It was part of the cry of pathetic from day four when I wondered if anyone would ever comment. It was there when I was disappointed yet again by my family, my spouse, my life, my BCs, my cat, my little universe. It seems to me that all good things were happy accidents and all disappointments were to be expected. That's right. I expected at all times to be disappointed. And so I was. How and why did this become the norm? 
Well, that's part of therapeutic process. We go back into the history and trace some of the reasons why little Lori would develop a life view incorporating, one, the need to do everything on her own. Two, the distrust of others to take care of her needs. Three, the feeling that her needs were shameful and it was pathetic to admit them. And I'm not surprised after many years of therapy, especially my last year of therapy in conjunction with this show, I have much clarity around the origins of my disappointment, surety. Guess what? The origin makes no difference. However it got there, I'm left with a wrong-headed and dysfunctional stance that does not serve me, my dreams, or my relationships. Okay, so now we know this isn't a good thing, just stop it, right? <laughs> just put the freaking food down too. Eat less, move more, get thin, solved. Nope. Just as I learned that for me, eating less and moving more would never solve my actual problem, I learned that knowing facts in my head will never solve my emotional problems. I need to learn and relearn from the experience. Just as intuitive eating is a long road of retraining my brain and my body about food and how and why I eat, learning to, quote, make myself happy is a long road of discovering what happy actually is. The next subheadline says, what's happy? Directly below this is a photo of me looking disheveled in my pajamas holding Tiger the cat who looks as floppy and comfortable as a furry orange rag doll. Tiger the cat is happy. He's happy in this photo because he wanted to be held and would not stop pawing, rubbing my leg, purring at me with little hopeful meows until I picked him up and cuddled him. Well, Lori, isn't this an example of you making him happy then? That is exactly what I used to think. But then I realized that Tiger demonstrated some great tenets of making ourselves happy. One, he knew what he wanted. Two, he went for it. Three, he didn't give up. Four, once he got what he wanted, he took the time to relish it. Yes, but you gave in to Tiger and picked him up. What if you disappointed him by not picking him up? Tiger would either have gone to Mark or found a blanket or a sunny place. Tiger would not waste time being disappointed that I didn't fulfill his needs. If you study this photo of us, what's your first impression? Are you thinking, wow, you look fat in that photo. What an unflattering angle. Or, man, you sure have a double or triple chin. Or, your hair isn't combed. Or, oh God, another stupid cat picture? Or, look at that skin damage? Or, why would you publish a photo from first thing in the AM when you look all wonky? Well, I bet you've guessed that all of the above isn't really what I think you might be thinking, but rather my fear and negative brain. But even if some of you have some of these thoughts, what I see is love. Tiger doesn't care about my hair, my age, my skin quality, my fashion sense, or my weight. Tiger and I have a relationship. It goes deeper than me having access to the all-important cat chow, too. Every time I see Tiger and he interacts with me, I tell him, I'm so happy to see you. And I pet him or play with him or hold him or kiss his furry little cat tummy because he is the one cat in 1,000 who actually likes this. I brush him, I trim his nails, I rub his feet, again, a rare cat to like that, and sing him songs featuring his name. Now, nothing too remarkable about me loving my cat and feeling that my cat loves me back. Most crazy cat ladies would say the same. 
But what is remarkable is that due to this relationship, I can see my photo without the negative talk I bullet pointed for you. I can see my photo and think, love. Hmm, you sure are going a roundabout way to your point, Lori, if you have one. Next subline, happy is love. Here's my point right there in the subhead. Want to see it again? Here, I'll feature it in quotes. And here it is in my fancy block quote style. Happy is love. I didn't need to look socially thin, young, and beautiful for the photo to make me happy. I remembered and felt the love. The love made me happy. Take a look at the photo of Mark and me at the Pantages Theater at the very top of this post. You know I'm squeezed into a terrible seat of torture in this historic theater. My hair isn't combed, the lighting isn't great, and we don't look like spring chickens, and yet I look happy. Why is that? You getting better at acting, Lori? No. Despite the discomfort, I was sharing a moment with Mark. We were building our relationship. We were out having an experience. And I didn't know it then, but we had the hope that we were going to see a great show. And we did. I felt love and confidence. I didn't need to fit in the seat or have good hair or a diamond necklace or even a dry martini to be happy. I was happy because of the love. Next subhead. Fine, but what about making yourself happy? Hold your horses, I'm getting there, winky smiley face. Both of these examples show me being happy because of shared love, once with Tiger, once with Mark. And to be honest, I always assumed that making myself happy meant I had to be happy going to the show by myself, to not care if Mark was there. I assumed that making myself happy in the context of this blog and my podcast meant that I didn't have to care at all whether you commented or participated, that I had to sing tra-la, tra-la, tra-la in the face of crickets and be stoic and write for the joy of writing and record my thoughts for the joy of recording. I hated making myself happy as a concept because I never could. It felt like an impossible lie. How can I love blogging if there aren't comments? How can I love trucking up the mountain and burying my heart if I'm nothing but background noise to listeners? It's plain my idea of love is in the sharing of ideas in the two-way communication. And this blog and this show go through many ups and downs. It's been challenging to me. There are people who love it and participate, and then they burn out. There are folks who are busy. From time to time, there are folks that move on. There are folks who disappear. There are times when I feel I was really, really stupid or didn't write or didn't speak well, and the comments and calls come flying. Other times, I feel I've opened my veins and nothing. I can't tell. Can't have expectations. And I bet you can guess just how much a compulsive brain loves that, right? Nothing I can do or not do. This latest dry patch has been occurring since I braved the storm and recorded day 111. Part of that show's theme was enjoying the process. And I shared how what makes the slug of creating this show and blog so wonderful and worthwhile to me is hearing from you. Wow, that was scary. I admitted a need out loud and crickets, 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 crickets. Bam, threw me right into my pathetic needy place, right? Shocked realization. Nope, it didn't. 
I didn't feel like recording another one right away to quote, get it right. I didn't feel like writing about my feelings of rejection. I felt like studying my voice acting. What? That's right. What I felt was I felt like increasing my skill with my voice. I found a wonderful podcast called, quote, Acting Without the Drama, unquote, by Ben Hopkin. It's chock full of acting and breathing techniques. And you can see all of the deets if you visit this actual blog post on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. Anyway, I started just going for walks every day. Not for calories to burn, not to record the show, not even to ponder about my life. Just to get fresh air and learn something new. And one thing I learned is that feeling fat doesn't mean I am fatter than normal. Check it out. Next comes a selfie that shows quite a bit of my current size, and I took it the other day in the ladies' room while I was walking around the park. I saw myself in the mirror, and I felt love. (gasps) I worked on my voice acting and singing, and I felt love. Wow. I told Mark that I wanted to do something the other day, and he didn't feel the same. I said, okay, and worked on my voice exercises instead and felt love. Wow. I had fewer comments to answer, so I went for walks and learned new things, and I felt love. Like Tiger, I finally learned how to make myself happy. Be clear with what you want and need and be persistent. But if that doesn't happen just as you would like, go find yourself a nice place in the sun, create some joy, and feel the love. XOXOXOXO. P.S. Thank you, Dave and Donnie, for your multiple comments during this zen-challenging time frame. So there you have it, brave companions. My blog post released at last via the podcast. If you'd like to revisit these zen words or actually see the photos I've mentioned, come to compulsiveoriendiary.com because this post is there. Just no way to tell you about it. And like I was trying to share via my writing, Wherever life is taking you these days, find your love and make yourself happy. Until next time, take care, brave companions, because whether I hear from you or not, I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound.